episode one. I, we probably got to figure out a better way to do episode. This is cooking week one. I don't know if we want to call that episode one or if this is episode four of 30 day trial. Um, we'll probably, yeah, we'll figure that out. I think we should just look at it the same way we look at star Wars. You know, we're just doing a new (laughs) trilogy every time or something. It's like episode one, we get introduced to people that are going to die or become evil later. So, um, if one of us dies or becomes evil later, then this is where it started. And then we get a, very good cartoon made for the prequels as well. I think that's actually some of the best Star Wars yeah. is the the Clone Wars cartoon. Um, but I am Weston, and the other person and, is Clark. <laughs> yep, yep. Weston feels the need to introduce me because in previous episodes, if you go and listen, I'm really good at not introducing myself after he does and not signing off after he does. So we're working on that. It is interesting. I also pointed in the air when I said, and that is Clark, even though we're <laughs> what? 500 miles away from each other. <laughs> like 650. Cause you're in Southern California and I'm in Southern Utah. So yeah. for a while. <clears throat> okay. So food. Listeners wanted to know where we're at. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Southwest United States. Uh, okay, so we're talking about food. And Clark, we talked a little bit about what we wanted to do this month. Uh, because food or cooking, because it's actually cooking, I keep saying food, is so broad. Uh, you know, there's barbecuing, baking, cooking out in a pit in the ground. There's cooking in an oven. So there's a lot of different things. But I think just in general for today, some of the notes that I took and what I've been thinking about for the last week is just kind of cooking in general. I don't know if you leaned one way more towards like barbecuing or towards cooking and like baking or whatever it is your experience on. What would you say your previous experiences? I like to, you know, let the listeners know, are you a professional chef or do you only eat instant noodles out of a styrofoam cup? I'm definitely a professional chef. No, um, not a professional chef. I, I'm just the guy that looks up a recipe and decides I'm going to make it if I'm in the mood to, um, I try not to eat out at McDonald's or anything like that too much. So I try to at least make something at home, but definitely not a professional chef in any way, shape or form. I feel like I'm probably pretty similar. Um, I learned how to cook when I was pretty young or I learned to cook some things when I was pretty young. And it's, it's because I like to eat food. So, uh, you know, you have to learn how to make the food is really how that started for me. I kind of want to jump in and say something about what you just said. So for those of you who don't know Weston or have never met him, when he says he likes food, he is, that, that is not, him saying, Oh, I enjoy the taste of food. This is the kid who, because he's six foot six, six, five, six foot six, six, five. Okay. So this is the kid who is six foot five, and I'm pretty sure he's at least bordering on six foot six. And what, 240? 250, probably, especially with quarantine and less time at the gym. Yeah, 240, 250. The reason I'm bringing this up is this is the kid who, when we lived next door to each other in southern Utah, when I was six and he was three, he would wake up at midnight, knock on his mom's door, and tell her that. He was hungry and he would then go into the kitchen and eat like 
size of a dinner a full-grown man would eat <laughs> at three years old at midnight. He would have like three or four bowls of soup or his mom, who's a freaking saint, by the way, would make some, you know, instant mix broccoli cheddar soup. And he'd eat like the whole dang pot full of broccoli cheddar soup. It was it was the craziest thing you've ever seen. He was just, he was like the bottomless pit. So yeah, he had to learn how to cook because he never stopped eating because he's six foot six now. And the thing, uh, every day of my life, probably until I was maybe 25, what woke me up in the morning was I was hungry. Like I woke up because I needed to eat food and like I would get up and go straight into the kitchen and make myself breakfast. Like that was how every day started. I would wake up, my stomach was growling and it was time to eat. Like that was just from growing and athletics or whatever from working out. So yeah, I would, I would say my cooking experience is somewhere, I don't know, like three out of five. Cause I, I like to make some food. It's mostly just healthy, basic food. I don't, you know, nothing, no fancy training. I've never gone to school for it. Um, my family is relatively big into baking, for, like at the holidays. So I think three out of five is a pretty fair level of my cooking experience. He's um, being modest. He's a, he's a pretty good cook. I've, I've eaten, the, I've eaten the things he's cooked before. He's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um. I also think the idea of cooking for the podcast this month, it's, we're f- recording in December 2020. So if you're listening to the future, let us know how the COVID lockdown goes uh, for the world. Uh, but it's also holidays. And that's when a lot of time who normally don't, a lot of time where people who normally don't cook will kind of bust out the family recipes and make the holiday cookies or the holiday pie or the you know Thanksgiving dinner or something. So doing cooking right now feels like a good idea. Yeah. Um, and on for me, the thing that I looked up over the weekend wasn't necessarily uh, recipes in general. It was because, I mean... Maybe some people can, but I feel like most people can probably follow a recipe. Um, Maybe there's some people out there who aren't that great at that, but that was something I never really had much of a problem with. That doesn't mean my recipes always, or the thing that I bake always turns out amazing. I have a really nasty habit of baking cookies and either having in a flour or something like that. Um, But I just looked up general tips because I feel like that's where my, Baking and cooking could have got better. One thing that I feel like a lot of people don't know is that baking powder and baking soda are not the same thing. <laughs> true. That's true. Um, so I, I when I did a little bit of research for this kind of the basics of cooking, uh, one of the things I didn't actually look too much into, like you said, recipes or anything. I kind of looked more into the history of cooking. And I thought it was pretty interesting depending upon, you know, what you believe, how old, how long humans have been on the earth, essentially, we've been cooking for the whole time, essentially, like if uh, because the cooking helps with digestion and it actually increases the nutrition and the calories that you can get from the food. Because think about if you went out and like somehow you were growing potatoes, but you didn't know how to cook and you were just eating like raw potatoes because there was no cooking process. Um, the proteins and the, 
the starches in that potato haven't been pre-broken down by the cooking, your stomach and your digestive tract actually have to work a lot harder to break all of that apart. And that takes energy itself. So you're actually getting less net calories from eating a raw potato than a cooked potato. So that was a huge thing in kind of the process of humans. Um, I don't want to say evolving because we're obviously uh, like the growth of humans into being able to the technology that we have now. So it's also something that everyone does, you know, every culture cooks. It's not like someone from South Europe, like they come from a town that everyone just eats raw food, right? Everyone cooks from Italians to people who live in Australia to people who live in South America. There's all there's traditional foods, there's things that they make and cook there. And I think that's pretty interesting. Huh. That's really cool. I actually didn't know that about um, raw food versus cooked food. Cause I always thought that cooked food, I always thought that raw food, like uh, especially with vegetables, um, raw vegetables had more nutrients than cooked vegetables. There are some, like you can overcook things. Like if you put broccoli in boiling water and let it sit there for like an hour, yeah, it's going to be like gross, nasty mush. That's going to have nothing in it, but just to kind of start, I don't want to say start warming things up because it has to be a little warmer than that. But there are definitely foods that when they're cooked, you get more nutrients from and definitely more calories from. I'm sure there are um, foods that are the other way around. I don't want to say that, you know, it's for everything ever. I'm sure there are certain foods that if you cook it, it's actually less calories. But in general... Being able to cook food was a huge step forward for humans as a race or a culture to be able to focus on other things like building shelters or like whatever. So it's definitely an important part of our human story. Yeah, no. And that's really interesting. That's actually that's actually some stuff I didn't know, but so, um, uh, one of the tips that I learned I actually didn't learn this by doing any sort of research. I learned this from my niece who is currently in, um, she's going to school to be a pastry chef that, um, if you want cookies to, if you're baking cookies and you want them to look a certain shape or you want them to turn out with a, just a really nice shape in general, the best way to do that specifically is to chill the cookie dough overnight, or at least for a few hours in the fridge, because if it's colder and you shape it, it'll maintain its shape better while it cooks. And I, that's something new that I learned just a couple weeks ago. So that made me think of, yeah, I, kind of knew that there's a picture somewhere or there are probably multiple pictures on the internet. I don't even really know to Google right now and I, I won't cause it'll probably my keyboard's loud, but if you have a chance or you're just sitting somewhere on your, you're looking at your computer, there are diagrams of cookies that were made. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like it's a picture of a whole bunch of cookies and all the cookies look way different but like one of the cookies was chilled before it was put in the oven one of the cookies had like cold butter mixed in one of the cookies had like the butter melted before it was cooked like all these very small things and the cookies all look like they're different recipes um oh, wow like uh now i want to find it i don't know exactly what to type into google though um 
let's see um, whatever it's not that big of a deal but there it's definitely interesting if i find it i'll post it on with the oh yeah so oh yeah so th- there's one with like brown sugar white sugar melted butter chilled before it's gone in vegetable oil and settled butter baking powder versus baking soda uh a cookie cooked at 320 degrees fahrenheit versus 375 degrees fahrenheit there's all these little tiny things that you can change in the exact same recipe and will hugely alter what the cookie looks and tastes like and it's it's crazy because especially baking is basically is is not basically it is chemistry baking is yeah. is complex chemistry right um, um so if never mind i'm not going to say that because someone will i was going to make a joke but then i realized that when you have a audience everyone takes jokes differently so i'll just leave that one alone um <laughs> but, um anyway so something else along those lines um this isn't something I had to, I didn't really have to research this to know this, but not everyone's going to know this because most people, especially if our listeners are mostly from the United States, most of the United States outside of a very few geographic regions, your elevation is going to be roughly the same. So if you move to a new area, that's a different elevation, you have to cook things differently because um, every oven is is different and cooks different, but if you live at different elevations, things are going to cook and boil differently as well. For example, Weston lives essentially on the beach in California. So he's at, you know, 30 feet above sea level. And I live in St. George, Utah, which is almost, it's just a hair under 3000 feet above sea level. So if we took the exact same recipe with two different ovens and tried to cook it the exact same way, it's going to turn out different just because, we're in different places and the conditions under which we're cooking are not the same. Yeah, I'm trying to think, is it, is it, uh, that's what I just tried to look at too. It, when you go higher in elevation, water boils faster, I think. Like, so if you had the I exact same, right. I think you have the exact same stove, like that, that you have it on whatever maximum. So everything's the same except for the elevate and the starting water temperature is the same. I think the i think as you go higher in elevation it boils easier or faster or whatever you want to say at a slightly less temperature because there's less atmospheric pressure pressing down on the surface of the liquid (sighs) so at 500 feet above sea level actually just googled this by the way can you hear my keyboard clacking when i'm typing on it right now or is it quiet no it's quiet i'm sure i can hear mine though because i have a mechanical keyboard I can hear yours, but, um, it's, it's not annoying. It's, you can just hear it. So I just Googled this 500 feet above sea level the boiling point of water is 211 degrees at a thousand feet. It's 210 at 2000. It's 208 at 5,000. It's 203. So if you live in Denver, which is 5,280 feet above sea level, you're something's going to boil 10 degrees sooner. So you have to, whatever you're cooking or, or baking, you have to take elevation into account. And if you actually read the back of a, of like a brownie recipe, mm-hmm. it'll give you two different sets of instructions on how to cook brownies. If you live at a certain elevation versus other elevations. 
Yeah, because a lot of times, especially with baking, a lot of times um, <coughs> what's happening, let's like think of a croissant, how like that dough rises that has to do with like the butter in between the layers uh, melting and steaming. So it's creating air pockets. So if you're cooking and that doesn't happen or it happens too fast or too much, it definitely like just blow your croissants up or something at the same temperature that it works at sea level. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. The I totally didn't even re- think about that. How how scientific baking and cooking can be. Yeah. What, what would you say? What's your favorite thing that you know how to make that you like to make, like for yourself to eat? What's your favorite thing to cook? Ooh, my favorite thing to cook. Um. So I'm a 34 year old bachelor and um, I've been divorced for six years. So I'm not, I'm not exactly making gourmet meals over here. I'm, I'm your typical bachelor who looks like a bachelor. Um, but the favorite thing that I like to cook is um, if I actually take the time to do it like a, um, shrimp alfredo with asparagus in it it's pretty fancy for telling saying that you're a typical bachelor that's shrimp alfredo it's pretty fancy i mean that's not a bad answer yeah. just i thought you were going to be like i like <laughs> quesadillas with ketchup no kidding. <laughs> honestly man the thing that i'm notorious for if i'm actually cooking is taking flour <laughs> corn flour tortillas um cooking some just i'll i'll start on like a sunday night and i'll make like five or six pounds of chicken and then put it in baggies in the fridge mm-hmm. and then when i want to eat i'll just put some corn tortillas on a, on a flat iron mm-hmm. put some cheese on it um put cold chicken on it put a lid on it so that it all heats up evenly and in about 10 minutes i've just got cheese chicken little tacos which that is very typical bachelor for sure. Well, I I'll answer my own question in a second, but that's, that's what most of um, a lot of my cooking, I, I do meal prepping. So if anyone who is listening, isn't familiar with that, I'll cook way too much food. Like I, I try and basically cook like six times the amount of food that I will eat. My partner and I will eat, um, in one sitting and then we'll eat that same meal, uh, for lunch and dinner the next several days in a row. So a lot of the times I'm eating chicken with my meals and I just cook, I don't know, 10 pounds of chicken at a time in our Instapot. It might be a little less than 10, but I think we have the biggest Instapot you can buy. And like every probably two times a week, I, we go through and I just, it takes, I don't know, 30 minutes and I just make, um, chicken in that. And then for the rest of the week or the, those couple of days we have cooked chicken in the fridge and we shred it and put it in stew or in burritos or in sandwiches or on a salad or whatever. So definitely one of the things that I've learned to do in kind of a busy life is meal prepping. Right. And actually I would say that's, um, I didn't know if we were going to bring that up or not on, on this episode. Actually, I didn't even think about it till I 
you know, it just kind of came up, but if you're struggling with fast food a lot, um, having, even if you just meal prep something big, that's diverse, like chicken, chicken's pretty healthy for you. It's a lot more healthy than, than red meat is. So if you do like me and Weston do, and you just meal prep, you know, six to 10 pounds of chicken and then put it in baggies and put it in the fridge later. I mean, it's really chicken's one of those things that as long as you don't overcook it and as long as you don't leave it in the open air, it's not going to dry out. So you can make tacos or you can make burritos or, you, you know, you can make a soup or you can make chicken Alfredo. I mean, if you, like, if you think about it, if you meal prep, you know, 10 pounds of chicken and you're in a hurry to do something with it. I mean, you could even put it in between two slices of bread and add some cheese and you've got just a little chicken sandwich and it'll be just as fast as running to McDonald's. So I think a lot of the reason people buy fast food is they get in such a big hurry. But if you just make sure in your downtime to prep something big and diverse, such as chicken, then you'll, depending on how much time you have, you have a lot of different options without having to go and buy fast food. So, yeah. Uh, um, my tip along the same lines, if you're struggling with eating healthy and having enough time to cook food, and if you think food is too expensive, buy an Instapot. I wish we were sponsored by Instapot. We're not, but I don't remember how much I paid for mine, but I literally use it three or four times a week more than anything else in my kitchen besides maybe the stove. But cook chicken and I would mix chicken breast and chicken thighs together. The chicken thighs have more fat in them. So for the next step that I'm about to say, it'll make everything taste better. Take the chicken out and then in the same Instant Pot with all that, now you have chicken stock instead of the water. Put in, you got to measure it out rice, brown rice or lentils or beans or whatever you want for this round of food. Put it in one unit of those food dried foods to two units of the chicken stock. So like one cup, one cup of brown rice and two cups of liquid and then cook it again. You don't even have to unplug the Instant Pot, hit the little rice button and that'll cook up. And in like 45 minutes of cooking where you pretty much did nothing you have cooked chicken and cooked brown rice and a lot of it that you can store for i don't know at least five or six days in the refrigerator and you can eat that and then just every time you want to eat a meal just throw in some type of veggie like broccoli or asparagus or brussels sprouts or spinach or whatever you could eat that for a long time and not get sick of it and just change the seasonings on the chicken or the or the um resistant starches and have healthy cheap fast meals so remember when i said that weston is humble and is a better cook than he thinks he is if you just listened to that two minute monologue that will tell you everything you need to know about how he's actually an expert but Oh, um, uh, <laughs> okay. So I need to answer my, my, my favorite thing to cook. So this is where I'm going to let you down on what you just said. Honestly, I think probably like burritos, burgers, or, um, uh, like oh, spaghetti. I forgot about burgers. Oh, I, God. it's hard for me to buy burgers at restaurants 
again, I guess maybe this is me not being humble now, but most burgers at restaurants or places I don't like to order because I can make a better burger at home than what they serve <laughs> me. So I usually won't order a burger while I'm out somewhere. Um, but yeah, burgers or burritos, we eat burritos like three times a, a week at our house or spaghetti when it's cold. Yeah, Ooh, I, I like spaghetti. Honestly, at this point, I mean, and while you were just talking a minute ago, I took a little sip of the drink I'm drinking. And for the first time in five days, I could actually taste part of it, which is nice. Oh, yeah. So listeners, uh, Clark has COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on day nine of COVID. And so flavor is returning. Day- That's an interesting side topic. So you had no sense of taste or smell, right? Yeah. So it the... um. I knew it was coming because the person who gave it to me, um, she was always a day behind on all the symptoms I had. Well, that's not true because I didn't really have any real symptoms besides just very light congestion and very light body aches. And the the person who who gave it to me, um, they were basically bedridden for three days. Um, so, but I, I I knew it was coming. And about 24 hours in advance, I was like, well, if I follow the same timeline she does, because I got symptoms exactly a day after she did, um, I knew, I knew my loss of taste and smell was coming. And so when it did come, I noticed it at, at, you know, one o'clock in the morning, the day before it really hit. And I went, yeah, definitely reduced taste. And so it, it's like someone took a dial and just turned it way down. And then on Friday, it was like someone just turned it off. Like I couldn't smell or taste anything. And it was weird because you could still, you could still eat something. Um, and you could tell what part of your tongue was being triggered. That part of the tongue wasn't really sensitive, but you could tell, okay, that's supposed to be salty. Um, I even on, on Facebook, just to be funny, I took a big bite out of an onion to prove that I, I couldn't react to it just out of a raw onion. And for the first couple seconds, I couldn't taste anything, but then when you eat a raw onion, it kind of burns the back of your tongue in a really unpleasant way. And I could tell that I was eating an onion, even though I had no taste sensation. I went, yeah, my brain and tongue don't like that, but it wasn't, it didn't gross me out. I could just tell that my mouth didn't like it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm surprised I would have gone. I mean, the onion's pretty intense, like a raw onion. A lot of people would not like that taste. Did you go for anything hot like uh, ghost pepper or uh, I'm trying to think? I'll tell tell you why. Um, So the and I I will say this in the most family friendly, friendly way I can possibly think to say it. When I eat something spicy, Um, the intensity with which it leaves my body is way worse than the intensity with which it enters my body, no matter what it is, no matter whether I can taste it or not. So that was not worth my time. It's hot in and it's hot out. It's hot in, but it's always hotter and more unpleasant out every single time. (laughs) That's funny. my, (laughs) My girlfriend who ended up becoming my ex wife, when we were in college, Mm-hmm. Um, she got talked into eating half a habanero with one of my roommates and they were said, well, we can split it three ways with you if you want to. I said, no, because I know that my body really doesn't handle that very well. 
and um, they were both in pain when they ate it. I didn't see my roommate the next day, but um, my girlfriend came over because we lived in the same complex. She came over first thing in the morning and she had to use the restroom very quickly afterwards. And she came out of the bathroom physically crying. So that was ever since then I went, no, I made the right choice. That's not a question I need answered. We're good. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I had to remind myself of how hot habaneros were. So on, since this is related to cooking, the Scoville scale or Scoville heat units is how peppers and things that are like hot are, are rated um, with a bell pepper being a zero and then up into like the Carolina Reaper, uh, which is hotter than a ghost pepper, uh, between 1.4 and 2.2 million Scoville heat units. Uh, Jalapeno rates between 2,500 and 8,000 and a habanero is a hundred thousand to 350,000. So a habanero is over 10 times hotter than a jalapeno on average, like roughly there's always like little genetic tweaks. And if you get like one plant, that's slightly different, you know, so because I'll eat jalapenos raw, like no problem on my sandwiches and things. And I do like a little bit of spice in my food. Um, but yeah, so habaneros are definitely a couple steps higher on that, uh, pain scale. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't want to make readers think that I can't do any spice. Um, I'm fine with like buffalo wings and I'm fine with the thing that I actually do eat pretty regularly is banana peppers. Those little green ones you can get on your Subway sandwich. Those are called banana peppers. Um, I'll eat those, but... Um, Would they the hard, also be called uh, pepperoncinis? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. It's okay. the same thing. Yeah, pepperoncinis. I was like, so I, I can handle pepperoncinis, but with the way my body responds to spice, I'm almost inclined to believe I'm a little bit allergic to really spicy stuff, and that's another reason why I won't try the habaneros or any of that. Is because if I am allergic, if I do try something really spicy and have a bad reaction, yeah. I really don't want to end up in the hospital. Well, so. Dang, now I'm just dropping all sorts of... <laughs> now, I wasn't even planning on talking about any of this, but uh, so what makes peppers hot is it's a chemical called capsaicin. And originally it was evolved in plants to discourage predators from eating the plants um, because it would be uncomfortable. And they actually elicit a pain response in the mouth. That's the heat. It's triggering the same receptors as like trauma or damage would be doing. Um, so our brain thinks our, our mouth is actually being physically damaged while we're eating spicy foods. But humans, wow. for some reason, love it. And so it's this weird backwards thing where now we cultivate and harvest all of these plants that produce capsaicin and eat them because of the defense mechanism that originally evolved to stop predators or other animals from eating the plant. So it definitely backfired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really funny. I mean, I, I, I did know that, but I had never thought of that in those terms. We're going to exploit a defense mechanism that, plants have to make them not be eaten. Okay. So but, yeah. that even brings up 
that brings up a funny thought. Like I, I just thought while you were saying that I was picturing the Carolina Reaper and, you know, us living in a dystopian society where mankind falls into ruin and there's almost none of us left. And then because we have these genetically modified, you know, Carolina Reapers and this sort of thing, people are, people of the future are unfamiliar with what we've done. And so they go, Oh, that's a nice little fruit. And they go to eat it and think they're, they've eaten something poisonous and they're dying when they're really not. That was, I don't know. It just kind of made me laugh a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You can, you can cut that out of this. If you want to. <laughs> no, I know. I like it. It's funny. It sounds like you need to write a book. Um, Probably the book section. I'm sure at some point we'll talk about um, writing because I actually would like to write a book at some point in my life, but that's for another time for cooking. How, over this month, how do you plan to continue learning or practicing cooking or like what resources are you going to utilize to hopefully become a better cook over the next 30 days? Well, so, I mean, step one's going to be being able to leave my, my, my bedroom so that yeah. I can actually cook things. Cause right now, because of COVID and so that I don't infect other people in my house. I am literally confined to a 10 foot by 10 foot, maybe a 12 foot by 12 foot bedroom. So I'm literally under solitary confinement at the moment. Um, but when solitary confinement ends, <clears throat> I just, I, I think that a lot of the tips that I've been reading about online are things that I want to try. For example, um, that I read is that um, you want to use ingredients that are room temperature ingredients. So, and another thing that I read is that you don't want to over mix. You don't want to over mix your, your mixes um, and that you want to read your recipes from start to finish before you begin, because um kind of like this tip was saying online, it was basically saying, um, a lot of times there's special instructions for a recipe that go beyond just simply, uh, mixing ingredients together. There's a certain way they need to be prepped or you need to mix certain ingredients first, um, before you add other ingredients because they, it makes the recipe mix better that way. And if you just, if you don't read a recipe from start to finish before you start making it, you can miss important things like that. So I think those are the things I want to focus on is I've never really taken those tips. I'll usually just pull something out of the fridge and mix it in the kitchen aid and then read a recipe real quick and throw it together. And I actually want to follow some of these tips and see if I can make something that tastes better or looks better just by doing that. Nice. Gotcha. Um, well, my, my, what I was going to say, I have little notes in front of me, but might work out perfectly. I don't know if you have a Netflix account, but there's a show on there that's called the great British bake off. And it's a little bit goofy. Like it's, it's not an instructional educational show. It's a British, um, TV show about baking and there's judges and someone gets kicked out of the kitchen every episode, but it's, it's, not very American. So there's really low drama and it's actually pretty like upbeat and friendly and, you know, makes you feel good compared to watching some garbage 
uh, American TV shows. So anyone out there who has Netflix, Great British Bake Off, I would recommend. And that's, I probably won't, I think I've seen all of them. So, uh, but for you, Clark, if you want to look at, and and obviously it's called Bake Off, so they do more baking than stovetop cooking. Um, But there are also a couple YouTube channels called America's Test Kitchen and Bon Appetit, which are more about like the science of cooking and actually getting better at cooking specific things or using recipes um, or how the cooking works in the oven, what's happening. And I enjoy both of those and I've been watching some of their videos and will plan to continue over the next 30 days. Um, so the, the show you really should definitely watch if you want to get really good into baking is a, a, TV show. I think it's actually on Hulu. Um, it's called Nailed It. Obviously, there's some really um, very well done cakes on there and different things. And basing on the lack of laugh from Weston, he has no idea that's supposed to be a joke. Oh, okay. I was like, no, I haven't seen. It. I haven't seen it. I was like, gonna write it down. Um, okay, no, na- Nailed It is a show where they take the most amateur chefs you. Can can possibly imagine and put them on screen and give them like world-class chef recipes and they even give them access to a chef to help to help give them tips on how to put it together but because they're so novice at it they end up turning out just epically awful so that was supposed to be a joke but if you do want a good laugh (laughs) baking watch a show called nailed it it's hilarious um, I also have a master class membership account. I don't know what the right word for that is. And there are quite a few uh, classes or, or topics. I don't know what they call them now. Courses. They call them courses on cooking um, from some of the most world-class renowned chefs. And I'll probably watch those. Even though I am not as interested in making like very fancy five star like Michelin star dinners. I'm much more interested in kind of what I talked about before, like how the normal person can make quick, healthy, cheap, good tasting food. Uh, Like I'm much more interested in like what I'm actually going to eat every day versus, you know, how to make some type of meal that's, um, you know, uses like $500 worth of ingredients and feeds two people and is like 12 calories a piece. So you actually need to still go out and get like a burrito afterwards because you're still hungry. Um, but I, I am going to be watching all the masterclass shows too. So hopefully I'll learn something like that from there. Cool. Okay. So let's do one more question and I'm sure we're pretty good on the time for this one, but if you could learn how to make or cook or bake one thing, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. I want you to answer it first so that I have time to think about it. Ooh, nice deflection. Okay. So what is something that I don't know how to make at all? Um, I don't feel like I make very many desserts. Like, like I said, a lot of the stuff is what I just eat every day. It's the basic, like kind of meat and what's it uh just the normal food i would go for like maybe trying out something like croissants like i know those are those are particularly difficult because how you have to fold the dough and the butter 
um, back and forth over each other to get those like croissant flaky layers. So there might be a better answer, but the first thing that comes to my head would be some type of fancy dessert or bread, something like croissants that are just, I don't make. So making them would be fun. I, I just think one thing I would like, and maybe this isn't specific enough, but, um, as, as a as a bachelor, you kind of think you you when it comes to cooking specifically, and maybe I'm different than most single guys, but I I picture like you you picture for example the movie Hitch where he's all where he invites the girl over and makes her this really big nice dinner. I would just like to have a signature dish that I'm known for that really draws people in. So that's something I probably should work on. And maybe that's something I should work on for this episode so that by the end of the episode, I can say a signature dish I've developed that, you know, attracts all the ladies. I think that sounds like a great goal to have over, uh, you know, 30 days. I think that's seems super reasonable and that's an awesome way to kind of test the whole idea of 30 day trial, right? We're deep diving into one subject or kind of one broad subject for 30 days. And that would be an awesome way to, I don't want to say measure your success, but you go into cooking, you learn about whatever certain different things on cooking and baking and ingredients. And the goal is to become very proficient at maybe kind of a, you know, it doesn't have to be high end, but it's kind of a fancy, impressive meal that you then can cook with ease and you're very comfortable with. And then after you're done with that, right, it's time to move on. We'll be into whatever we're going to do in January. So I think that's an awesome, an awesome thing to do for the 30 days, actually. Yeah. And then so we'll know. At the end of the 30 days, if I'm still single, then obviously I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done a good enough job. It's like, okay, Clark, you have a signature dish. It's Christmas day. It sounds great. Still single. Um, still and, you've been, single. and you've been single for a number of years now. So clearly your cooking is the issue. Like probably should get a new host for this to go with Weston. Cause if you're still single, Clark, you're not giving good enough advice. <laughs> That sounds like an awesome ending for the, the first episode of cooking. Uh, I hope that everyone listening had some fun and got some chuckles out of that. Like I did. I'm sure you're going to have a great signature dish, Clark. Um, I'm not worried about it. Any last words to everyone listening? Um, I'm actually going to remember to sign off properly this time. All right, let's try it. Thanks for listening. 30 day trial. I'm Weston. I'm Clark. And we will talk to you next time.